Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. I want to talk a little bit this morning about starting over. And in doing so, what I want to do is introduce you to a God who is a God of the second chance. You know, sometimes in life, we need a God that would allow us to hit, you know, kind of the reset button. Um, a God that would invite us into the pit stop along the race that we call life, you know, the race that we journey. And so 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know, people kind of read that scripture and they get this picture in their mind or they get this expectation in life that kind of the Christian life is this, just this one that curves upwards, you know, that we just continue upwards and onwards, we just continue stepping up into the glory and likeliness of Christ. You know, while that's a a great thing to envision, um, I want to suggest to you probably this morning that in fact it's a little bit different. You know, who of us can attest to and understand that in fact the Christian life is one that has its peaks and it has its troughs. You know, that there's almost this natural ebb and flow to our faith. You know, we've all walked through seasons where life has been good, where we've had blessing, where we've experienced breakthrough, where God's just speaking to us. It's like everything we're doing, God's just moving in it. But then who knows, we've also walked through the valleys in life where life's a bit harder, you know, we feel a little bit drier, you know, God's not speaking as clearly, maybe we don't have as as clear a direction and a purpose, and it's kind of that inner fuel tank runs on low, um, and where once we were kind of soaring with the eagles, now we're just kind of running, and where once we were running, man, now I'm just barely managing to walk. But I want to say to you this morning that that that's okay. Because it's in those valleys, in the very bottom of the valleys that we walk in life, that there you will find a God who actually wants to encounter you, and He actually wants to give you an opportunity to start over again. A God that wants to recharge you and refocus you, because we as a people need to learn what it is in the nighttime seasons of our faith, you know, when things are a bit dark and things are a bit quiet, to hang on to the Word of God and what He says to us. And so in Lamentations 3.22, it says this, it says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. You know, and I guess, you know, the Christian life is one that is always going to be counterintuitive to the world. You know, where the world says, you've got to hate. God says, I want you to rise up and I want you to start loving. You know, when the world says, you better start looking out for self. God would challenge us to say, you know, you need to humble yourself in the service of others. And the world will kind of say to us, you need to get faster. You need to take on more. You need to hurry up. You need to keep going. God would challenge us and say, actually, no, I want you to learn what it is to stop. I want you to learn what it is to come into the pit stop of life, to stop, sit down, and actually start to wait on me and start to seek me. Amen. And so David declares in his psalm this, in 2714, he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, I want to tell you this morning that the condition of your heart will very much condition, uh, determine the condition of your finish in life. You know, that the strength that we need as Christians to keep fighting the good fight of faith, the courage that we need to sometimes walk by faith and not by what we see, you know, it doesn't come as we take on more as we get faster, as we get more educated, as we make decisions to add complexity to our life, but it comes as we learn as a people to just sit and wait on God. You know, we've got to learn how to find purpose 
in the stillness before God. Amen. And, you know, and the reality is sometimes we all need to start over. Sometimes we all need to hit the reset button because the engines are running too hard, too high for too long that the threat of burnout becomes imminent. Yeah? That somewhere back here, we kind of had this encounter with Christ and we had this transforming moment. And so we came out of the starting blocks firing and we kind of knew where we were going. So we just went hard. You know, we were full of passion. We were full of purpose. We were full of vision. We kind of found this joy in being committed. We found this joy in serving in the house. But then somewhere along the way, what happens is we start getting a few knocks from life. You know, we start hitting a few potholes along the way. And so then what happens, almost subtly and, un- and subconsciously, is we begin to veer off course. You know, we stop making those decisions that you know, we need to make in life to autocorrect us, to adjust us back on track. And then before you know it, we're kind of down in life and we're looking back and we're going, man, how did I get here? What am I doing over here? How, why is it that life is so hard? Why is it that things aren't working out? Nothing seems to be fitting. Man, and everyone around me is getting blessed. Their prayers are getting answered. But everything I need and want is kind of just on the other side. I just can't reach it. And so what happens is we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt. You know, you've got to understand this morning, church, that one of the enemy's first line of attack to God's people is to bring doubt. You know, Genesis 3, 1 says this. He says, Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You know, this this is a crucial time in the life of, uh, you know, in the history that we read of in the Bible. There's Eve standing before the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil knows all he needs to do is get it, lay hold of this fruit and eat it. And so what does he he do? He brings doubt. Did God really say that? Think back to the conversation you had with God when you were made. Is that what he said to you? And so what we find is in that place looking back going, man, where am I in life? How did I get here? You will find one of the first things you struggle with is doubt. God, did, am I supposed to be doing this? Did you call me into this house to serve? Are you actually going to answer this prayer? God, I've just put in the last $10 I have because I know that's what your word says. But God, did I hear right? Are you really going to bless me? And so we begin this, this, this journey of doubt with God, and we start doubting who we are. We start doubting that relationship with God, and we start doubting our identity with God. But can I tell you this morning, church, I really believe God wants us to step out of that place. You know, God wants, He doesn't want us to journey off, off track, but maybe it's time for us to actually stop and take stock of life and say, you know what, today's the day that I can make a decision by faith to start over. You know, today's the day that I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what God's saying. You know, today's the day that God can give you fresh vision. He can give you new purpose. He can be, get you back on track so you can keep going. Amen. You know, so I want to, I want to talk about Elijah because Elijah was a man just like you and I who had incredible highs and incredible lows in his life. You know, and we find Elijah in 1 Kings 19. The Bible says that we find Elijah sitting under a broom tree out in the wilderness. Now, in order to understand what Elijah is doing under a tree, asleep in the desert, you've got to understand from where he had come. All right, so here's the deal. God had called Elijah to be a, a prophet to the nation of Israel. Elijah is probably one of, if not the most powerful prophets that we read about in the Bible. And so he rises to prominence in a time when Israel is being ruled by kings that have kind of forsaken God, that have turned away from God. The word says that they were practicing idol worship, that forsaken the covenant that God had made with his people. Um, and in particular, there was a king by the name of Ahab who rose up. Now, Ahab, the, the Bible says, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any of the other kings. 
He had a wife, Jezebel, which we know was pretty much evil incarnate. She was kind of represented that spirit of rebellion. And so together they, they ruled over God's people for who for the most part have forsaken God. So that's kind of the climate we're in. And so God says, Elijah, I want you to get up and I want you to be a voice to my people and I want you to go and proclaim my word to them. And so Elijah steps into this anointing and he steps into this ministry with, with that anointing that most people of his time had never seen come on someone before. It was a massive anointing. And he begins to push back against uh, Ahab, begins to push back against, against the status quo. Um, you know, and, and he starts to make room in his life for the miracles of God to happen. So we see that Elisha begins to usher in miracles, miraculous provision for a widow and her two sons. He starts raising up dead, dead people to life. He's, he's on Mount Carmel calling down fire, having 450 prophets of Baal destroyed. At one moment, he supernaturally, you know, hitches up his robes and outruns horses and chariots. And then at the end of his ministry, God calls him up to sit with Christ in a whirlwind and fire. So it's kind of fair to say that Elijah had some weight and some bearing in his life, that God had called him. He was anointed and equipped and blessed for the time that he was in. But in all of that, the highs that he had in his ministry, Elijah also walked through valleys in his life. And so we read, we pick up from Elijah's victory in, um, on Mount Carmel. We read in 1 Kings 19, it says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, you have to just stop and appreciate the insanity of what we're just talking about there. Okay, here's Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. He's just, he's just prayed a prayer by faith to God, who's responded by opening up heaven, sending an all-consuming fire that didn't just burn up a sacrifice Elijah had on an altar, but it says that the fire actually burned up the altar itself, consumed everything, the stones, the brickwork. And what's more crazy, I guess, is that before he even prayed that, he had the altar and he had the sacrifice and everything drenched in water. God responds, miraculously devours everything. Elijah then rises up with this righteous anger inside of him and by the sword has 450 prophets of Baal killed. there on the mountain, done. So you would think, it's fair to say, he bore some weight, he bore some anointing, he bore some, um, some authority in the faith he had that when Jezebel sends a messenger or sends his murderous threats out to Elijah, which by the way comes secondhand through her servant, that Elijah would have just turned around and said, you know what? Dismissed. Couldn't care. Don't worry about it. In fact, you know what? I've got a message for you to take back to Jezebel. Hey, Jezebel, I've just seen 450 people destroyed on a mountain. My God's consumed an altar. Come against me with the sword. Come against me in your spirit of rebellion. And watch what my God is going to do. But he doesn't do that. The minute he hears the threat come from the servant, it says his heart is filled with fear. And he turns and he hightails it out into the desert. In one day, he goes from wielding the power and victory of God on top of a mountain to now running for his life afraid. You know, and the word doesn't just say afraid. It says that, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that I may die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And this is the crazy thing, from the top of a mountain claiming victory, so confident in a God that had called him to be a prophet to the nations, now under a tree, begging God to end it all, to take my life, I want to check out, I've had enough, I'm done. It says, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, 
for I'm no better than my father's. And so we see Elijah begins his lament with God. He says, God, you know what? I've had enough. That, was a, that, that threat was the final straw that broke the camel's back. It's too hard. I've had enough. I don't care that I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. I don't care that you've called me. I don't care that victory is supposed to be coming or what I'm feeling or walking through. It doesn't matter. I'm done. I've had enough. There's m- many other things I could be doing. God, just take it away. It's too hard. Now, how many of us in our life at somewhere or another can identify with that cry out to God? The conversation we've had in the quiet place. God, you know what? I'm tired of the responsibility. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of going at it so hard. I know what it's all supposed to be about, but God, enough is enough. That constant swimming against the culture in our world, against that current. God, I'm tired. I don't want to do that anymore. And you see, the danger is, church, that in that place, we can move from fear, uh, from faith to fear. And what happens, as soon as we allow fear to settle in our hearts, the natural reaction is to turn around from God and head the other way. All we want to do is just run. You know, because in the, in the, in the fast lane, if you like, of God, in the middle of what God's calling you to do, we all know what it's about. We're daily claiming the word of God. We're standing on his victory. For every victory we get, there's another two things to pray for. For those two things we get victory, there's another four things to pray for. And we just keep going and going and going, and we're declaring the, the word of God. And we've moved out of that anointed place. We've now run into the dry place. And, you know, even though it's dry, it's okay because it's not, we're not under pressure. There's no responsibility. We're away from what we're doing. It's quiet. We can just sit in the dry place and not worry about God putting more demands on us. Amen? So, you know, what happens then is that as that anointing begins to wear thin in our life, out in the dry place, we want to hitch up and keep running, getting further and further away from what God's trying to do. You know, and so in verse 5 in chapter 19, it says, So Elijah lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. Now, I want you to watch this, church. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, for the journey is too great for you. Elijah, from where you have run from to where I now need to take you, that journey is too far for you. That journey you're actually not going to make. If you don't sit up, in the dry place, eat what I'm giving you, drink what I'm giving you, you're not going to make it. Elijah, you will die out here under a tree in the desert. Who knows? That's a conversation we do not want to have with God. That's a pretty sobering reality to be discussing with God. So it says that, well, Elijah arose, he ate and he drank, and he went in strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. You know, and this is the amazing thing about God, church, is that he's not just a God that wants to speak with you. But when you find yourself walking in the valleys, in the dry place, he becomes a father that wants to draw close to you and actually touch you. You see, because you've got to understand, God spoke to Elijah all the time. He was a God of speaking with Elijah. He spoke Elijah into his call. He spoke on where he wanted Elijah to go. He spoke direction. He spoke wisdom. He spoke, Elijah, now I want you to turn around and speak to that person. Elijah, stand up against that person. He was all about speaking to Elijah. But when he finds Elijah under a tree, despairing to the point of death, he sends his spirit in the form of an angel, not just to speak as he always had to Elijah, but now to actually touch him and say, hey, Elijah, I need you to get up. I need you to sit up. I need you to eat. I need you to drink. And why does he do that? Because, church, I want to tell you this morning, when God touches you, it's so that he can identify with you. When God touches you, it's so he can assure you. When God touches you, he wants to come alongside you and say, hey, I see you. 
I know what you're going through. I'm here with you. I'm not just God, the Holy One, but I'm God, Emmanuel. I'm a God who's with you, amen? And so church, you've got to understand this, that unless you and I are actually prepared to sit and wait on the Lord and allow Him not just to speak to us, but to touch us in a presence, then we're not going to make the journey. We're not going to make what God's asking us to do. Unless we're prepared to give attention to the eating and drinking of His presence, that journey is too far, amen? It's too far, you know? And so when Elijah's called out into ministry, he's getting busy. He's getting busy. He's doing what he's got to do. He's confronting Jezebel. He's confronting Ahab. He's doing these miracles. He's running from here. He's running from there. He's just busy doing what God's called him to do, and that's great. But what Elijah finds is that that oil from heaven, that anointing that God places on you when he calls you, it starts to run a little bit thin. And so as it's running thin, what happens is Elijah begins to get this big dose of reality on the size of the call that God's placed upon him. You know, it's kind of like a little fish understanding how big the ocean is that he's actually swimming in. You know, it's like that tightrope walker who takes his vision off the front and he looks down and he realizes how high off the ground he is and actually how thin the rope is that he's balancing on, yeah? And so what happens is Elijah hits burnout and he's thrown against a spiritual wall. And what happens is once he's up against a spiritual wall, he goes, God, I've had enough, I'm cutting, and he runs. And so he runs. And we see that, you know, the reality is that we can never... Take it upon ourselves to think that in and of ourselves we can make the journey that God's called it to in our own. Because we just, you know, we can't do it. The journey is too great for who we are as people. You know, it's too great for our time. It's too great for talent. Too great for how disciplined we are. It's too great for how committed we are. Everything that's good about who we are, the journey is still too great. And so after all of that, you might be saying, well, Justin, that's wonderful. Why don't I just get the surfboard, hitch it out of my arm, hit the beach, cash in my chips, Fanny's Fanny's out the door. Cash in the chips and say, I'm done with all of this. I'm just going to enjoy the sweeter things in life. Well, my friend, there is a caveat and there's a fine print to the call of God for you and I that we have to read. And it says this. It says, the journey is too great, but the journey is too long, but the journey is impossible, but. And the but is, but with God, all things are possible. But with God, everything can change in a moment, but with God, you will find yourself being strengthened to get up, brush yourself off, refocus, and keep walking on in strength. Amen? You see, the vision that God places before us is one that will always demand more from us than we can actually give. Who understands that? The vision that God will place before us demands more than our ability, demands more than our natural talent. So the only way that we can keep fighting the good fight of faith, the only way that we keep walking in that journey is to come completely and wholly reliant on the presence of God, to be completely and wholly surrendered to the anointing and equipping of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, so, this is, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Before God formed us, before God put us in the womb, He understood all this. He saw the journey that He wanted you to take, and He knew that it was going to be too great for you. So He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a design in you. I'm going to inbuilt a mechanism in you that, you need to be able to sit and feed on and rest on my presence. If you do that, then I'm going to be able to fill you up and you're going to be able to keep walking the journey that I've chosen for you. You see, so what happens is we walk in the journey and we're doing our thing and that oil begins to run a little bit low in the tank and all of a sudden there's an inbuilt warning switch that goes off. To get our attention. Man, I'm, just, I'm getting knocked around. I'm tired. 
I just don't, and it's been days since I've got up and I've prayed, and it's been days since I've got up and stood on the Word of God, and yet everyone's just annoying me. Everyone drives so slow. My kids, I'm over that. You know, we, we get the stinking attitude in life, and the warning light's going on, and our response should be, God, I better pull into the pit stop. I better make an exit, come and sit down in your presence, and allow your spirit to fill me up. I better get those wheels checked. I better get the oil topped up. I better get that windscreen clean so I can see a bit clearer. Get back in the fast lane and off we go. And as we're going, oh, Matt and Nick's, man, it's so irritating. I can't believe it in my attitude. And then I'm not praying. And then, oh, God, I better pull into that pit stop. I need, to, I need to sit in your presence. I need to be filled up again so that I can keep going. And on and on and on and on we go in relationship and in harmony with God. Amen. So Ephesians 3.20 says this, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think according to the power that works in us, there is a power that God has placed in you that would cause you to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you have in your own ability. Yep, Elijah knew that. He experienced that time and time again in his call. It'll cause you to go farther. It'll cause you to fight harder as long as you stay connected and plugged in and engaged with the power source that is God so that when you're walking through those valleys in life you're not just relying on the voice of God but you're seeking and you're thirsting after a touch from God amen all right so here's the thing at the moment Ange and I are taking our little daughter Indy through toilet training which is wonderful and so you can imagine me standing in the bathroom with little Indy and kind of the toilet bowl sort of comes up to about here in her so she's really too little to be able to get herself up onto the toilet to do what we needed to do. But I can stand in that room with Indy and be like, come on, you can do it. And I'm giving her direction and I'm giving her guidance and I'm encouraging her and I'm doing all the right things and I'm dancing and come on, this is going to be good. You're going to get on the toilet. Here's the deal. Unless she allows me to touch her, unless she submits to my presence in that room and allows me to pick her up in my strength, lift her up and put her on the toilet, She's actually not going to achieve what we wanted to do. There has to be a yielding to being in the room, being able to do what she can't do. Amen. And so here's the deal with God. God would come alongside you and say, hey, Nick, I believe in you. I will know where I want you to go. I'm your biggest fan. I'm your cheerleader. This is my word spoken for you. Come on. We can do this. God, that's good. But don't touch me. Don't touch me. Get your hands off me. Well, you know what, church? Here's the reality. God being the creator of the universe, remember Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God's given you everything you need. God's come alongside you, but there has to be a yielding. There has to be a submitting into the presence of God to allow him to actually lay hold of you and say, Nick, I can do this, but you need to let me do it in my strength, and I will get you to where you go. We've got to be able to shift over and say, God, you come into the driver's seat of life. You take the steering wheel. You put your foot down on the accelerator because if you allow him to do that, church, I promise you, he will get you to where you need to go and he will cause you to finish strong every time. Amen? Come on. God is good. God is good. So here's the thing. Elijah was 40 days and 40 nights from Mount Horeb. God knew he had to get Elijah to this mountain because on top of that mountain, God was going to speak into his life afresh. God was going to give him new vision. God was going to give him new purpose. God was going to snap him out of the lamenting and give him, give him a, a direction to follow. And who knows that when Elijah came down from that mountain, he met Elisha. And God placed Elisha under Elijah's mentorship and, and authority and leadership. 
that his presence and his, his authority would carry on well after Elijah went. Yep. You've got to understand that what I'm talking about involves an inheritance that Christ has, not just for your life, but for your kid's life and your kid's life and the future generations down the track. Amen? You see, God will always offer us an opportunity to pull into the pit stop. God will always be there to give us drink, to give us food. But you and I have to make a decision by faith to say, God, you know what? I'm going to stop and I'm actually going to eat of what you've given me. I'm going to drink of what you've given me so that I can keep going. Amen? You know? Elijah got not just an anointing, or, or he didn't catch just what Elijah had on his life, but he got a double portion. And that double portion, he took down the generations and the generations and the generations. So God right now scans his people. He looks at his church and he's wanting to find people that will not just make it halfway out into the desert and die, but he wants a people that have an authority and know what it is to sit at the feet of God and be strengthened in order to carry that inheritance to the next place, to get to that next mountain, to be a voice of authority, to stand up and declare Jesus in our community and in our culture. God looks for that all the time in his people. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful psalm. It says in Psalm 37, 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. You know, and I think too often we get wound up on the falling, that I've fallen again, I've fallen short of God, I've messed up. You know, God's called me to do this, this, and this, and I just haven't been able to do it. I've let him down. I've fallen over. Now, God's going to pull the pin and look for someone else. But I want to encourage you this morning, church, go back to the Word of God and see. God knows where he wants to take you. God is well-equipped to get you to where you need to go. He's less concerned about you falling than he is about you being able to pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, come and sit in the presence of God and say, God, I'm ready. Let's keep going. Amen. Let's keep going. Got to go for time. Good. Zoe, can I get you up just to, maybe just to play? That'd be great. You see, I love this scripture. It says, Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14 says this. God speaks to Israel and he says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to a place from which I have caused you to be carried away. You know, I love the scripture because it represents God's ability to draw us back to himself. God, by his very nature, when you confront him in times of weakness and in times of being in your valley, his very, the very character of his nature is that he wants to draw you back to himself. He wants to draw you back. You know, the word says that God responds to faith by revealing himself to us. That he's a God that says, if you would just seek me with all your heart, just seek me out, seek me with all your heart, then I promise you, I will be found by you. I will be found by you. And you know, earlier I said, God is a God of the impossibilities. And it doesn't matter how long you've sat in chains. It doesn't matter how far down life's road you've gone how far of course you are, in a moment of encountering God, He can break chains. In a moment, He can draw you back to Himself and say, Son, daughter, I want to get you back on track. I want to get you back on the path I've chosen for you. Not only does He promise that, but He says in that place of sitting and waiting on me, if you would just seek me with all your heart, if you would trust me, if you would just put weight on me, then not only will I draw you back, not only will I draw you back, but I will carry you back. 
See, there's a difference. Even in our weakness, if we seek God, God says, you may be too weak right now. Life may be too messed up right now. You may have all the stuff going on that you don't even know which direction to start walking in. He says, if you just seek me, if you just wait on me, if you just say, God, I don't just want to hear you, but I want to be touched by you, then he says, I'll do the walking for you. I will pick you up and I will carry you back to that sweet spot in life. You know, my heart is that for some of us, we're so frustrated because life and circumstances have almost carried us away from that sweet spot we were in with God. That sweet spot in life. And church, I want to tell you this morning, we have a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God who is faithful to us that wants to draw near to us and say, you know what, trust in me. Trust in my ability to pick you up and carry you back to that sweet spot in life. We all have pit stops along the road, church. I want to encourage you this morning. We've got to be able to pull into them and just sit at the feet of God and allow Him to speak to us. So why don't we just bow our heads this morning, every eye closed, just as Zoe's playing. Thanks, Zoe. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. for some of, some of you that's a very real frustration in your life just you don't understand I once was in such a sweet spot with God man I knew where I was going I had purpose I had vision man I was serving God was speaking things were flowing but now I look back and I'm not sure where I am I look back and life's just not quite fitting quite working in a moment God can break chains in a moment God can draw you back in a moment he can speak new vision so you've got to understand God wants to get you to that mountain he wants to get you on top of that mountain that he can speak into your life that he can speak hope into your life that he can give you purpose that he can give you direction God is a faithful God all he asks is that we sit, that we pull over. Even if we're walking the wrong way, just stop, sit down in my presence. So if that's you this morning saying, just, you know what, I've, I'm looking over my shoulder and I'm not sure why I've ended up where I have. I'm really tired of swimming against that current, trying to keep my head above water at the moment. Really frustrating. I'd love just to pray with you just encourage you let the spirit of God come and just encounter you that's you this morning just all no one's looking around can you just lift your hand for me I'd love to pray with you thank you thank you thank you don't be afraid to ever say God I need to pick myself up I need to dust myself off I gotta get my vision right I gotta fix my eyes ahead on you and keep walking God, will you walk with me? If that's you, I just want to give a little bit more time in this place for you to respond. I embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If that's you this morning, just put your hand up and say, Justin, that's me. Could you just pray with me? Could you just stand with me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to pray this morning. Father, for every hand that was raised this morning. God, I thank you that your word says in Lamentations 3.22, 
every morning your mercies are fresh. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, therefore my soul will hope in him. Father, for every hand that went up, God, I thank you. It doesn't matter how far off track we are. It doesn't matter where we're going, what we're doing. God, I thank you. Today is a day that you can bring renewed purpose. Today is a day that you can bring healing. Today is a day where you can bring breakthrough, where you can open eyes, that you can set hearts straight. So, Father, this morning, I thank you for every hand. God, I pray that you'll begin to do a work in them right now, Father, in Jesus' name. God, begin drawing them back to the place that you've had for them. Bring drawing them back to the place from which you want them to start out again from. God, I thank you. You're a God of the second chance. Father, I thank you. You sent your son to Calvary that we would have a second chance. Father, I thank you right now that as, as we've spoken, as we've prayed it, so it is in Jesus' name. Church, why don't we just stand up this morning? We just spend a bit of time in worship. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.